Here we go. Welcome, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 20 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. And we have got some great news and an announcement to make. Uh, The Bolt from the Blue podcast has crashed through the 50,000 play mark on SoundCloud. And uh, that is very much down to two people that I'm going to introduce to you. The first one is King of the Kickbacks uh, writer and City Matters Committee member who also writes articles for the Bolt from the Blue uh, blog site at boltfromtheblue.live, Mr. Colin Savage. Colin, how are you, mate? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Um, you know, good weekend. As, as, as Ray said it, when we were talking before, City results sets the tone for the weekend, and uh, we got the double of a City win and United loss. And I, I believe you were in City Square. I was. I, I had the pleasure of an interview with um, uh, a young lady I believe you quite admire. Natalie Pike, <laughs> Natalie Pike, listen. Word, oh, when I was in Manchester in February, I was desperate to get an autograph for my scarf. I, I'm just, I'm just a teenage fanboy, really. That's what it is. But yeah, I'm absolutely green with envy, Colin. I, you know, something deep inside me wants to stab you with a fork for for that mm-hmm. one. Um, but uh, you, you didn't, um, you didn't get any selfies, so you're not going to make me suffer with that. But um, if you heard the dulcet tones of uh, sniggering in the background, that would be Mr. Ray Bubbles, the producer of City Fan TV on YouTube. Ray, how are you doing? I'm very well. I wasn't sniggering in the background. I was laughing with you, Michael. Uh-huh. I was laughing with you. And uh, my weekend, well, I'm going I'm to quote somebody here. As uh, James Augustine, is it Aloysius Joyce once said. James Joyce, wow. James Joyce. Uh, I think this is what he said. I've never felt more like singing the blues. United Blues. Old City. We are. Yes, that that was one of Joyce's, or or was it one of Wilde's? Can't remember. (laughs) Yes, all the best writers came from Ireland, guys. Um, You know, I'm a Northern Irishman, but um, when it suits me, you know, obviously I'm a a British um, Irishman, but when it suits me, we'll claim the famous guys from down south. But. um, yeah, fascinating, fascinating um, series of results and uh, fascinating news. And uh, I'd like to start off with Ray. And um, Ray, I believe you know something about the progress of the women's team. Oh, yes. Uh, we're in the Continental Cup today. Uh, and at last, it feels like a, a little while, um, we won a game. We beat uh, Birmingham, Birmingham City women 2-1 today. Apparently, Caroline Weir scored an absolute stunning winning goal there. Um, I think we've had a tough few weeks where we drew with Atletico Madrid, one all in the Champions League uh, three, two or three weeks back. I was at that game with my lads. And we lost to them during the week. So, um, two once we got knocked out of the Champions League at the first hurdle. Well, I think we've had a couple of 1 0 reverses at Arsenal and the Derby against United. So, it's very welcome to get back to winning ways for City. And I think, I'm hoping now that we've got more of our first team available, our strike force, um, first choice strike force, I think, almost now. Um, I think hopefully we'll build upon this result. We had a good play, apparently played well. Jenny was um, doing the reporting for us for our channel from that game. And I think we played overall pretty well and deserved probably a bigger margin than the 2-1 final result. But fingers crossed we can now start progressing and pushing uh, forward in, in the right manner. And uh, back over to Colin Savage. Of course, Colin, um, the success of your article, the Manchester Financial Derby that we have up on the Bolt from the Blue blog, continues apace. I'm just wondering, where are you at the moment in your writing with uh, King, King of the Kipax? Have you 
just finished one or um, preparing another one or, or where are you at with that? No, I think um, deadline is after the Liverpool game next week. So uh, all week. I've got about a thousand words out of my 4,000 written. And uh, so I've got to do another two and a half, three thousand. And may we have a hint about the the topic, or is that very top secret? Uh, no, I um, just I went to a, a charity lunch a few weeks ago, and Alistair Mann, the commentator, was the guest speaker, uh, and he had some very amusing things to say, particularly about VAR. So uh, I, I've written a bit. Some of those were quite funny, so I've written a little bit about that. And probably I'll be because we'll be watch uh, about a third of the way through the season. So I'll be looking at, um, you know, how things are going, particularly against, against my pre-season predictions. And uh, Mr. Ray, um, I believe I saw that you were canvassing for opinions on Twitter on the subject of, of your uh, next uh, piece of writing. Is that Would that be right? That's right. I'm going to talk about why City fans boo the UEFA. Well, I think we're going to call it Jingle. The fans were not uh, happy calling it an anthem. Good. Uh, sorry? Church. 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 Well, I, I think that's it. I think the, the fans said, well, an anthem, you'd probably get you know, more like with a country or something like a national anthem. So the, the, the UEFA jingle and looking, trying to delve into each fan has a different reason to boot and the anthem. Some have several, and some of those who are out of pocket for going to uh, Russia uh, for a game that uh, ended up being um, supposedly behind a closed door, so the away fans couldn't get in. And somehow, it's about 200 home fans managed to get in on was it press passes or something ridiculous? So, going through stories like that, trying to get the other side of the coin as well, where fans don't boo or how we can change this attitude to UEFA. If be honest, if, do we want it changing with the things that UEFA do uh, about racism or uh, the lack of uh, impact that forthcoming from them on racism and other issues? So that's going to be my piece for Bolt from the Blue sometime this week. That's fantastic. I was, I was just about to ask whether Bolt from the Blue uh, Live would have the pleasure of introducing this thing to the world. So, uh, yeah, we've got our. Uh, uh, two fantastic writers as well as uh, broadcasters here now in our stable. I think we can call it a stable now with uh, podcasts and uh, written pieces uh, going out there. That's absolutely uh, fabulous, guys. Well, Colin, Colin, I, I've never been called a stud before, but, well, two of us are studs in the stable, apparently, now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're a bit old for that. Uh. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Well, guys, let's just start off with um, a couple of news headlines just to um, grease the wheels and get us in the mood, uh, Ray. Apparently, um, Pep has been in the news. It's all over Twitter at the moment and reported in all of the major outlets. Apparently, he's taken a little bit of a veiled or not so not so specially veiled uh, dig at one of the Liverpool players in advance of uh, next week's uh, showdown. Sounds a little bit more like uh, the kind of thing you'd expect out of Mourinho, but um, Pep's gone full guns. Uh, what's all this about, Ray? Well, it's about our good old friend Sergio Mane and his uh, Salah-esque guys, in, in, usually in the penalty area. Uh, last season, I felt it was, uh, Mo Salah was, was your man for, for diving in the box uh, theatrically. Um, when he's hardly seemed to have been touched, his dives were defied uh, gravity sometimes, defied logic and defied belief, but it was winning penalties. Uh, I feel that this season the baton has been passed successfully, very successfully to Sadio Mane, who's now launching himself at any given opportunity. He's won a, at least a couple of penalties in recent weeks from his uh, uh, antics. Uh, yesterday he, he tried the same at Villa, who I think Liverpool were losing at the time, and he quite rightly got booked for it. My feeling is a yellow card is certainly not enough of a sanction for what you're trying to gain. You're trying to gain, obviously, uh, an advantage uh, through dishonest means, trying to con the referee, cheat your opponent, cheat the ref, cheat football, cheat the fans. You know, if you're going to win a penalty to either draw yourself level or win a game, them's the big stakes. If you're trying to get an extra two points out of a game, them are big stakes. And I think the the punishment should be a lot more severe than just a, a yellow card, I think. You know, chatting to, to fans on uh, my uh, YouTube channel tonight, uh, I think people are saying anything between two, uh, a two-game ban and a ten-game ban. We want, we need to stamp out things like like this from our game. Um, spitting that that incurs a six-game ban. Spitting a spitting offence. 
and it's pretty much died out very quickly from, from the game. I don't think it was very prevalent, but you might get one case a season. But spitting has pretty much gone out of the, uh, the football now because of this six-game ban. So I think that the same should be with diving. It should be a such punishment, a such severity that people just don't see the benefit. I don't think we're going to go down the route of docking points or anything like that. But why not? Why not? If you've gained an advantage uh, and won a penalty to get, help your team get extra points and it's a blatant cheat that's not been picked up at the time, why not? Let's 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 put something severe in. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to dock points, but let's put a two or three game ban and let's see how often uh, people like Sadio Mane will, will dive around the pitch. It's very interesting, Colin, isn't it? Because uh, Manchester City players traditionally uh, don't have a great reputation for, for diving, but uh, one man who was accused of it was a certain Mr. Francis Lee, and I'm delighted to announce that um, the first part of our series on the Francis Lee years has been very, very well received, and um, I hope you're looking forward to, um, after maybe after this pod, planning to do part two, where I think we're up to Alan Ball. Are you looking forward to that? Yes, yes, it says, well, perhaps we can, uh, it sounds like a good one to save for the international break, doesn't it? Absolutely. I hope you guys have got your flat caps ready to put on in tribute to uh, the World Cup winner. But, uh, Colin, there's been another piece of news, um, I don't know if you've picked up on it, uh, concerning uh, Mario Balotelli. Did you read anything mm. on that score? Yeah, yeah, it looks like there's been some more racist abuse aimed at him in Italy and, uh, He's, he's tried to walk off the pitch and his uh, teammates have restrained him, I think, or something. And uh, But, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it kind of doesn't it? It feeds into this Bernardo thing where there's a very different attitude to race uh, among Southern Europeans than, than there is to the perhaps more liberal, uh, inclusive Northern Europeans. Balotelli did, uh, did stay on the pitch and he replied uh, in the best possible way by sticking one in the top bins to... Um, to give it back to them, it was a great goal. But uh, I mean, it, it is a problem because we've seen yeah. FIFA deal so resolutely with with Bulgaria mm-hmm. uh, over oh, their race, oh, yeah. which was particularly you know particularly bad. And if FIFA really wanted to take this seriously, they would have kicked Bulgaria out of the competition. That's UEFA. So sorry, uh, so was it UEFA? Sorry, UEFA. Yeah, um, but we all know how seriously UEFA takes racism. I.e., not not at all. It's it's all lip service. Uh, every time they've had a chance to make a statement, they've, they've absolutely failed to do so. And, and um, they should have kicked Bulgaria out of the competition, as they should have kicked other clubs out of competition where there's been blatant racist chanting. What, what did they find? £65,000 or something? Yes. Oh, it's just ridiculous. You know, you, that's no sanction to them at all. Just kick them out for two years, or, or you know, or, or, or ban them from the next comp- next uh, European Championships. And, and, and then that will perhaps get home to them. I think that's harsh, personally, because, uh, I'm, okay, I don't know um, to what lengths the Bulgarian uh, FA have gone to try and deal with this problem, uh, but if you've got a small number of fans causing trouble, why should the rest of the football public or the football association in Bulgaria suffer? Uh, I could turn around and say, Liverpool got the English teams banned from Europe. Why should the English teams be banned for something that Liverpool called after ISIL? So I, I think sometimes I'm not. What is, I think using saying um, using the sledgehammer to crack a nut is maybe uh, the wrong phrase, but you, I think that's going a bit too far, and it's unfair on the. I think the the vast majority of genuine fans who deplore this kind of behaviour. Are, are we going to say that if, if uh, two or three Chelsea fans abuse a, 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 an opponent, racially abuse them in a league game, that they should be docked points or kicked out of the league? I, I think that's a step too far. But I think this should be more of a sanction than a, a, a small fine and what probably will, in effect, be a one game behind closed doors. I think there needs to be a bit more. But kicking a team, a country out of the tournament, personally, I think that's a step too far. Well, you know, UEFA are known for their very harsh uh, penalties, guys. You'll remember, of course, uh, when the Liverpool fans bricked our bus. I think they, oh. they, they, they got basically no, nothing much more than the equivalent of... Um, half a day's pay for Colin Savage to punish them for, for, for that one. But, um, but guys, uh, we're just going to move on uh, before we get into discussion of the uh, two games against Southampton with a little thing that proved quite popular that we did last time, which is just a, a little mini uh, league uh, review of 
the games of uh, some some of the teams um, around us and some of the others in the league. And of course, Colin Savage, um, Liverpool against uh, Aston Villa. This feels very, very similar to the conversation that we had in the last pod where I said to you, you just can't rely on Tottenham to hold out. And you were telling me, well, they scored their goals so early and and, and, and it was always uh, coming. This was pretty much the same story, wasn't it? Uh, Liverpool, yeah, because it was obviously quite fascinating because we were in, in the stadium, City were one down, hearing that Liverpool were one down as well, and, and quite until quite late. And, uh, you know, the thought of going to Anfield, just three points behind it, potentially with a win, taking, win there taking the top, was quite fascinating. And of course, Liverpool scored uh, equaliser later on after, after we uh, had got the three points. Four points is not too bad. A win puts us a point behind and... Uh, but then actually, it's quite funny going out onto the concourse after the after the match out, out from the uh, from where the block where we sit. You could see people kind of giving the two finger salute to the TV screens and uh, you know words uh, that I won't repeat on air, but um, it, it implied um, weren't too kindly towards Liverpool. So yeah, they knew then that they'd won. But you know, uh, we've said it before, isn't it? Yeah, that's what teams teams fighting for the title. That's what they do. And there's an interesting article in the Athletic from. Um, Simon Hughes, who kisses Liverpool's arse a bit, he's a, you know, the Merseyside reporter, but that you have to do that to get a licence to, to write about Liverpool. Talking about Klopp, who plays a system of, of nine against 11, with a, you know, to, to, to basically focus his team on uh, winning from losing situations with them. So, yeah, I mean, that's what, they pra- that's what they practice. I guess that's what we practice as well. It's about um, motivation, isn't it? And, and that desire to win. And, um, Obviously, they um, last season they they narrowly missed out on the title, so they've got that motivation. But it's interesting to see that we've still got it. You know, we're still we're pitching for a third consecutive Premier League title, and we've still got that that motivation. You know, I think we said this last season, didn't we? They'll drop off, they'll drop off. They can't keep that up, and they did keep it up. And um, I, I don't see them dropping off this season either. And you know, I'm even a little bit more nervous this season than I was last, but. Um, you know, it's uh, that's what they will do, and, and, it, and it wasn't really through cheating, was it? Either this time, so no dodgy penalties or you know a goalkeeper throwing the ball into his own net. So I suppose you've got to give him some credit for that. Ray, there there are two teams that we have not been able to shake off our coattails so far, um, and that's Leicester and uh, Chelsea. And of course, they uh, they roll on, don't they? Leicester two 0 against Palace, and uh, Chelsea two one against Watford. And I think overall both of those uh, were, from what the highlights I saw, quite comfortable. And Watford was obviously a little bit dodgy right at the end when they got that penalty for when Watford was losing two 0 and then Ben Foster, their Foster, their goalkeeper, and the, the last guy in second got uh, he was up for a free kick and he got uh, he headed the ball and it was pushed uh, wide by Kepa. Make sure that uh, Chelsea won that game, and they're not going to drop off. I, I don't think, and it's, it's quite interesting. And I slightly, I, I did say. At the start of the season, I expected Chelsea to finish in the top four, and I said so. I said exactly the same after the game against United because I felt that game was who scored first, and uh, Chelsea had enough opportunities to beat, to score, and beat United, and they ended up on the wrong end of a four-nil something. But Chelsea have won the last five league games on the bounce. Uh, Leicester have won four out of the last five. Both of them on good record. They're only two points behind City. Leicester's goal difference is a whopping plus nineteen. Uh, thanks to their week on Friday ago, about 10 days ago. So I don't think they're going to drop off. The rest uh, are, are already falling away. Arsenal are in fifth, six points behind Chelsea. And in fact, Arsenal have been playing less than next weekend. Uh, lose that, they're nine points behind Leicester. And I don't think you know they're going to be coming back in quite far um, down the table to find the other teams that you thought might be challenging uh, for top four or top six this season, Man United and Spurs. Just hold fire on that because I've um, got to come back to Colin Savage. Now, this feels like a deja vu or deja entendu all over again, uh, Colin, because in the last pod, uh, you made um, a particular comment that got uh, quite a lot of laughter from um, BFTB followers when you said that um, uh, North London basically are bottling games and uh, the, the bottling is on on a par with Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Here we go again, uh, Colin. Arsenal won, Wolves won. Recently, uh, Tottenham won, Everton won. The, these guys are, um, are, are, are falling behind. Leicester and Chelsea are on the ascendancy. 
they are bottling it the, in North London. You're absolutely right, and and so it was again. Yeah, well, uh, Spurs are uh, just below United on goal difference in the bottom half of the table. Arsenal's still up there in in fifth, but um, six points behind Chelsea and Leicester in in the top four places. And um, yeah, yeah, I suppose you could say a, a point against Wolves isn't a bad result, but um, I, I guess when you're at home with the yeah. Up? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's not great, is it? So, um, question marks about Emery, of course, at Arsenal. The, the, the word is they're going to give him time, but you know we've heard that before, haven't we? You know, a, a, a couple of bad results and that time runs out. Doesn't help, of course, when your captain is telling the fans to um, do something yeah, nasty. No, Jackie Captain, I do not know. But, but that kind of sums up Arsenal that they don't have. When you think of the great Arsenal teams, you have eleven captains. Arsenal, they don't have an obvious captain anymore, and, and that. That says something about the sort of players they've recruited. It's been very mediocre um, recruitment, to be honest. I can just hear Mr. DT and uh, Troops uh, basically basically dreaming of the days of Tony Adams, uh, Ray. No, no, they're, they're part of the problem. I've said this. I mean, the, the abuse that uh, Jacques got on social media, personal abuse against him, his wife, his family, it's disgusting. It's, it's deplorable. Okay, those fans, they could be, they're usually anonymous people all over the world. So you, you don't know who they are, mostly. But the fans in the, in the, in the ground, booing their captain, probably very few city players that uh, we booed. Uh, and, and if we do it with, it would be with some, uh, proper justification. But to boo your captain and, and the jeers and the, the verbal abuse you got from the crowd, that's not called for. And as um, Jacques and I think Emery said, sometimes you do, you know, it, it, you do reach boiling point. And Jacques is a human being, like all of us. And I heard one fan, and I don't watch um, Arsenal Fan TV or AFTV, as it's now called, that much. But there was a fan who came out when Claude Ferrari or Ferrari was talking. And, and he said, because he earns £120,000 a week and because we're fans, we pay so much for our season tickets, we're entitled to abuse him. Hang on, what what planet are we living on? So I, I think some of it, you do get from uh, the fans, some elements of fan TV, which are there just to rile and provoke. You know, it, it, obviously Arsenal have been having problems for so many years uh, and that's ha- ha- led to the rise of fan TV and their popularity. People like to see these car crashes meltdowns from certain figures uh, on, on these channels. But they're part of the problem now. Their fans believe that this is like some of the media as well. They believe what they see, they believe what they read, and they go down this route. And poor Xhaka, I mean, um, uh, uh, Xhaka Khan, Xhaka Khan, I feel for you. Um, <laughs> oh, nice one. I don't see if I could fit that in. But part, no, no. But it is, oh, seriously, what the fans have done is despicable, disgraceful, disgusting. Um, and they are part of the problem. And they don't see their contribution to the problem. They want Xhaka to apologise. But when the hell are they going to apologise to him? Because what's been happening to him is uncalled for and it's disgusting and it shouldn't happen. Okay, okay. Well, let's go over to Colin Savage again because I'm intrigued uh, by this one, Colin. Ned Stark's team, the Blades, Sheffield United. You made your King of the Kipaks prediction and you commented on it in the last pod that you thought that uh, they were going to stay up 3-0. My goodness, that prediction is looking better every week, isn't it, Colin? It's looking a cracking prediction. <laughs> well, they're sitting in a European place at the moment. Well, they're sixth place. Shane didn't put some money on that one. A point behind Arsenal. I, mean, I didn't expect, expect them to be that good. But um, Burnley, yeah, Burnley are a bit up and down this season, aren't they? I mean, Burnley actually, a bit like the South, I guess, a bit like the South African rugby union team. Um, not great to watch, but very effective at what they do. But they've not been particularly effective. And they shipped... Um, they shipped a fair few goals, so um, 18 goals, which is as much as Burnley have shipped 18 yeah. goals, which is as, as many as anyone outside the bottom three, um, which, which is you don't really associate with them. Sheffield United have shipped the joint fewest goals alongside Leicester in the league, mm-hmm. um, but they've only scored 12. But you know, getting those 1 nils is what keeps you up. Uh, and they're going to stay up, uh, barring a complete disaster. But they are going to stay up. One of the better predictions. In fact, one of the few good predictions uh, I've ever made. So. And Ray, what about this? The, the rise of the tune, Newcastle against uh, West Ham United. That was a 3-2 win, wasn't it? They're going places. Well, maybe not, not great places, but 
they're they're getting themselves well clear of that relegation zone. Obviously, well, I'm, I'm still having them for fights and relegation this season. They're only on 12 points, which is four points above Southampton in the relegation spots. West Ham, I do worry for Manuel Pellegrini. They've not won in the league for a while. And the last five games, they've lost three and drawn two. It's not great. And actually, the sad thing is, uh, for West Ham, they're, they're only four points behind Arsenal. And they've had a shocking run. Uh, they really should have been this an opportunity this season with the way United and Spurs have been uh, playing. For West Ham, they should be around. They should really be around six spot this season, fifth or sixth uh, around Arsenal, Sheffield United. Uh, and I thought they, this was the season that they would progress and and actually fight from the top six. Uh, but they've they've really disappointed. And I do feel for Manuel Pellegrini because they and they're another team that have let they've let in a lot of goals, seventeen goals. Uh, it's far too many. And um, yeah, it's been a funny old uh, week this week. I I just got to mention um, I saw a tweet today. I wish I'd seen it. Uh, yesterday morning about my fantasy football team someone asked Michael Richards who his fantasy captain was this week because it, it, I think it was a couple of weeks ago Michael Richards had a team that included Sergio Aguero's captain included Mares and uh, was it Warcrock and Cello and Cello and none of the three played we had a terrible week and so someone asked him some uh, wits asked him who, who's, who's your captain this week because obviously I don't want to be the same player and he picked Raheem Sterling for captain um, and I looked at my team uh, this morning and I had Raheem Sterling as captain and he, yesterday he got booked nearly got sent off and he, he, he gave us a sum uh, total of two points but when you mentioned Sheffield United I was quite it brought back some good memories because uh, I picked uh, I've got Lundstrom in my team and oh, yeah. uh, he, he, he scored 21 points this week which is a star performance two goals so you know and the more Clean sheets that uh, Sheffield United can keep, the better my team will be in in the fantasy league this season. So it's a it's a tip out there. If you want to know who not to pick, go and look at Michael Richards' team and make sure you <laughs> don't the players he's got because he's 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 like you know he's like a black cat. Yeah, you know, he's he's a um, bad luck. Is Michael Richards. <laughs> well, gentlemen, no mini league preview could be complete without yet another Manchester United loss, Colin. Uh, this time to Bournemouth. I, I, I'm a bit lost for words, so I'm going to ask you to take over. I don't know. What, you know, they look like they supposedly turned the corner, but unfortunately the corner they seem to be turning is a circular track. And, uh, it's extremely gratifying, though, isn't it? Oh, it's extremely gratifying, yes. Uh, you know, they were up to the dizzy heights of uh, seven, weren't they? And um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they, I, you know, I really don't think they're going to get a top four place. But, uh, you know, Bournemouth, you know, United have gone to Bournemouth in previous seasons, I think, and won there, even when they've been not been playing particularly well. And, and Bournemouth, not, again, not having a bad season, just behind um, just behind Sheffield United and, and, and Arsenal. It's interesting, actually. The stories about, you know, is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the right man and, uh, you know, they're in a, a transitional phase, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all the same sort of stuff, but you know, they're still so completely inconsistent. And only Everton's great equaliser kept them um, in the top half of the, of the league. Uh, interesting, actually. Just, just interesting looking at the league table. From fifth, Arsenal in fifth place to Everton in 17th, there are six points at the moment. Last season, after 11 games, in fifth place was Arsenal again. They had 23 points. And in 17th place was uh, Newcastle with six points. So there was 17 points between the, uh, you know, from fifth to 17th. This season is six. It shows what a kind of, bit of a crazy league it is. But, um, Ray, it's, it's, it's so funny, isn't it? Because, um, every newspaper online that you, that you flick up on your computer screen, it's got you. I mean, they're they're really they're they're just like Duncan Castles. They're desperate for clickbait. They've got the huge fan base, and so they're being linked with every player under the sun for the January window. But it's but Ray, it looks like a Colin's prediction uh, about them missing out on the Champions League and falling behind us financially in uh, that you read in his great article is looking very very good at the moment, isn't it? Well, the, I mean, um, they're 10 points off Chelsea at the moment after 11 games. Uh, Chelsea and Leicester, uh, they're not playing the, 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 the level of football uh, that gives you any confidence that they're going to bridge that gap. Uh, I think 10 points is a huge gap after 11 games of the season. Europa League, can they win that? 
very much doubt it. You, you can't um, even see that, can you? No. I can't see. I mean, Jose saved, saved their bacon a couple of seasons back by looking that trophy, getting him into the champ, Champions League. Jose is looking better every day, isn't he? Yeah, well, he said he, one of his best feats was to get uh, United to finish second behind City. Uh, and, and people, you know, queried him and laughed at him and, and, and everything else. But it's looking at, it's actually looking at a good, uh, 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 you know, something good to say because. The way United have pointed, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not enjoying it. I'm certainly uh, enjoying their uh, pitiful state of football in the position in the league. Mark, Mark Goldbridge, guys. Mark Goldbridge. Must see TV. Must see TV. I, I can't. I, I'm not saying. No, no, no. The thing oh, is, I do. I do. The thing is, well, you've got a bit more time uh, on your hands, but there's so much more serious stuff uh, out there to, 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 to talk about and to watch. I can't be bothered with the comics. Can't be bothered with the jokers. I, I want uh, I want some good, solid read. Um, if I'm going to read anything or watch anything, um, you know, no Duncan Castles, no Miguel Delaney's, no other bobber jobs like those guys. Uh, serious stuff. David Conn, that'll do for me. Oh, he's very, very good, guys. Um, before we get on to the the two games that we're going to review, I just uh, wanted to pick your brains a little bit about another piece of big news that splashed all over Twitter, Colin. And that is the fact that uh, Bayern Munich have sacked uh, Niko Kovac, and we talked a l- uh, about it a little bit off air. But I just wondered if that had any repercussions for the potential uh, sale of Levi Sane. I did a a little twit. You know, when you go to Twitter and you go into the search box and you just put a a name in there, and uh, I just put Levi Sane's name in there, and every article was, uh, you know, literally. Every single one um, was basically saying that this is a done deal. Leroy hasn't changed his mind, and uh, all the rest of it. But uh, I think that the firing of a manager might have some effect or not, or, or, or maybe you disagree. Maybe you think um, Halley and Halley are in charge of Bayern Munich are just um, going to go for this. And uh, Colin, the reason I wanted just to quiz you on this is that um, he's still going to be injured. In, in January, that's the window. Do you see anything happening there? And then we'll go to Ray after you, you give your opinion. Who knows? If Kovac is still there and they'd be failing, you might think that he's not tempted to go there. But, um, you know, if you get a new, new manager, he's always wanting to make a splash and, and, and bring someone in. And um, Could he be tempted? Uh, it's so difficult to say, isn't it? And, you know, because he's been so disingenuous about the whole thing, really, hasn't he? And, um, well, we certainly had no firm statement from him that he's going nowhere, which uh, I think one or two little hints and, and hints and tips that he, uh, you know, he might be tempted. And because uh, a lot, there's so much about commercial appeal now, and it's not just about where will I play the best. Uh, and Raheem Sterling, even Raheem Sterling, you know, we've seen little things about. Well, in a few years' time, he could go to Real Madrid to, to boost his commercial profile. So so much about commercial profile rather than am I going to advance my career here? And, and Leroy, uh, you know, we, we know he's got all the talent, but he's still not the finished article by any stretch of the imagination. We saw last season how he could be very moody and, and, and be very up and down. So yeah, but know, he, he, beats, were, he beats Liverpool every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, you know, if I were um, if I were him, I'd be more worried about. In the next few years, getting to be the best player I can, and then worry about my commercial profile. Well, let's go over to Ray. Ray, now the thing that comforted me in this whole thing is that I couldn't envisage Leroy's advisors telling him to go and join a team managed by Nico Kovac over Pep Guardiola, no matter how bad their relationships are. But now Kovac is gone; they're going to get they're going to get a big gun in. And uh, that might be the thing, but Ray, this, the, 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 the thing is, though, even despite all of this, it's going to take 120 or 125 million to get Leroy out of Man City. And would you, would you really do this for a player who who's still unfit in the January window? I can't see them doing it in January uh, because of his uh, his injury. Because you know, you don't know with all you know, even with all modern medicine and everything else, what his knee is going to be like. When he comes back to play, is he going to be as fast? We've seen players who've had usually a couple or three serious injuries, and they lose half a yard or a yard of pace. And one of the things that Leroy Sane's got in abundance, and what one of the things that he relies on, is his pace. 
So would, would you splash 100, 125 million on a player you're not sure about? Okay, on one hand, Bayern Munich are getting Valestine's first-hand reports of his um, uh, his uh, rehabilitation, uh, his recuperation. You know, his, uh, any little bits of news that comes out about how Leroy's doing seems to be coming from Germany uh, and not Manchester City. So that kind of makes you feel... Um, you know, he's got, he had one foot, uh, in, uh, the Alliance Arena in, in, in Munich already. Uh, look, Bayern, you have to do something. I mean, they got battered 5-1 by Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah. They lined fourth in the Bundesliga, uh, four points behind, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And, uh, it, they've got, a, there's another league that's very, very tight. I mean, Borussia Dortmund sits in second with 19 points and Hoffenheimer in ninth with 17 points. So, that's quite uh, tight too. Um, you, Bayern Munich, they're not that far behind uh, the top team, but they've lost a couple of games. Um, that 5-1 reversal has, has got to hurt. Um, so who, who would they get? That's the next question. If you, could, you know, I'd, I'd expect them to go for a big name. Are they going to go for someone like Allegri or would they get Mourinho? Uh, he's been mentioned as looking for another, another big job. Uh, and if Mourinho came, he'd definitely want to splash big money. Mm-hmm. Uh, would Sani want to play for Mourinho? Having seen what he did to United and uh, how he got them playing, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I still think, think the best for Leroy as a footballer is unquestionably staying at Man City. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's got issues about uh, game time because he, 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 he wasn't getting a lot towards the end of last season. He wasn't starting many early games. That's an issue for him. But surely you want to be pushing yourself, testing yourself and challenging yourself, uh, motivating yourself to get into the starting eleven at City rather than having a guaranteed spot and Bayern Munich in a weaker team, in a weaker league, less likely to win uh, the major honours in Europe. And right now, they you know, could be struggling to win the major honours in their own country. Well, let me just go over to Colin Savage again. Colin, now, if there's one thing that you do know about is financial risk management. And surely, if you are Bayern Munich, you've got this uh, one-month transfer window you desperately want this player, but the player is injured. Surely you're going to let him finish out the season with City to see if the recovery is is genuine before you're going to make that kind of financial outlay. I mean, anything else would be madness, would it not? It would appear so. But football and madness are not necessarily mutually exclusive, are they? And... Um but, but I think... Uh, yeah, we, 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 we did a whole series on Peter Swales, so we knew all about that. Of course, yes, yes, of course we did. As Ray rightly said, you know, if Mourinho, someone like Mourinho goes there, that might be the deciding factor in staying for a while. A new manager comes in and wants to splash the money in, in January and, and Leroy's not ready. As you say, the risk, uh, does a manager take the risk or go for someone proven? And, and if the pressure's on the new manager to get results, it's surely to go for someone proven. So, so again, that could play in our favour. So sometimes events have a way of sorting themselves out, don't they? That, that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do anything to make things happen. And uh, I, I, I suspect this one might well sort itself out. I, I'm not getting uh, too much reassurance on the, the, this point. But Ray, something that you might be interested in, and I'm sure you've got strong opinions about, as as usual, is the fact that um, those 30 to 50 or so articles that I pulled up on Leroy Sane, the vast majority of them have got City basically scouting and examining Oyarzabal, uh, this this player that, of course, when his name first came up, we all laughed at it. But uh, when you look at his statistics in the Liga over the last uh, two seasons, they're very impressive. And uh, every single news outlet, Ray, has got City very interested in this guy. Can you tell us what you know about him and what your opinions are about this? Well, I did do, I, I did do uh, an article on him, but that was probably in July or August. So one thing um, so with Ibar, no, sorry, that's where he was born. He's a real sociedad at the moment. He's 22 years old, so if Leroy leaves, he's a non-homegrown player now, Leroy. Uh, he's over 21. So you could argue it's a like-for-like like in terms of non-homegrown uh, players. Um, he's a tall, just under six foot. Uh, he's been playing four years, three or four years. Um, so he's got a, you know, he's the age of about eight, 18, 19. He's got a little bit of experience behind him. I don't think, um, I'm trying to think. He's not scored a, a, a ton of goals in the, in the last four years at Real Sociedad. It's about one every three and a half games. Every three and a half games, he, he's scoring a goal, which 
which is okay, but it's not the levels that you'd want at City. If you're playing in the league at City, and you're going to play a prime and say, Leroy would play at least 30 games a season. Leroy would score, I'm guessing, about 10 or 12 goals a season, 10 or 12 assists a season. There was that, I think the Centurion season, Leroy had about 15 assists. Absolutely fantastic. So I'm not sure he's up to Leroy's level just yet. But obviously, he's represented Spain a few times in the last couple of, uh, couple of years. Um, you know, he's got a contract for the until 2022. And a 67 million release clause, apparently, Ray. That's the thing. Because apparently, when you, in Spain, you've seen it before. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, it's such a, a straightforward transaction because I don't know why they haven't corrected this or why they haven't done anything about it. But when, as we saw with um, Laporte, if uh, they have this transfer fee in their contract and another team is willing to pay it, it's basically up to the player. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I bet you when they, when they did the uh, latest contract back in 2016, that was was that probably before the the real explosion? Yeah, yeah. So they did it at a time when you know sixty seven million they, they thought was ridiculously high. It's the same as Barcelona thought two hundred million euros for um, Neymar was ridiculously high uh, by our club. Um, and um, little did they realise at the time that they did his that he could he would move for that sort of money. And, and I'm sure Real Sociedad would never dream that this guy, Yazabal, would be in that, that level of you know, 67 million euros, uh, or pounds, sorry, which is probably about 75 million euros, uh, since he's pretty much come through the club. So you, you've got no way to gauge how, how much he's worth. So it, 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 they've just got a ridiculous price, which actually someone can come and meet now, uh, and it, it might well happen. I don't, obviously, I've not seen enough of the guy to see whether he's good enough um to make it at City. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but he's, he's young enough. He's young enough. And he, you know, if he comes, he'll have hopefully time on the pet to, to develop further. But really need to see more of this guy, if, you know, and you probably can make a decision. Got a listener question for Colin Savage. Uh, uh, well, here, here, here you go. You're quite popular for these listener questions. Of course, guys, you can, um, you can email Bolt from the Blue, and I'm re- very grateful for the questions that you sent in. But um, this one is for Colin Savage, and uh, the question goes pretty much like this. Uh, Colin, if City did sell Leroy Sané either in the January uh, transfer window, which I argue is unlikely, more likely in the summer, here are two possible replacements. Please assess them. Number one, Jack Grealish. Number two, Jaden Sancho. <laughs> Jack Grealish is not a replacement for Leroy Sané. Do, no, do, no, like do, do, do remember Leroy Sané is a squad player for Man City, or that's what he was. Uh, Grealish is, is a very good player. He's supposed to be a bit of a dickhead person, like uh, I've heard from someone who works at uh, Villa for quite a while. Um, not 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 a particularly um, popular member of the um, team, but um, he's a good player. And, and I've said before, he would he understands the sort of concepts of space and channels and half you know the half spaces that Pep preaches. So I think he would fit well into our team. He's not a replacement for Leroy. Uh, more of a part of David Silver type replacement, but we've got Phil Foden. Yeah, I, I think he's quite a similar player to Phil Foden in some ways. Obviously, he's a bit more experienced. But um, the other one was James Jaden Sancho. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sancho. If Sancho wanted to be Leroy's replacement, he wouldn't have left in the first place. That well, well possibly he just didn't see a, a route into the first team with them um, with Leroy out there. Uh, maybe he didn't. There were lots of you know United picked up Daniel James from Swansea, didn't they? You know, he's a quick lad. Uh, diver, he, he, diver, yeah. But I mean, yeah, um, that, it's the first lesson he probably got when he got the training pit. He's a quick lad, can score goals. You know, you know those players are about. I'm, I'm not trying to diss Leroy Sané. He's a great player, but there's always a, a quick player who's got an eye for goal that you can find somewhere. But the, the players that, that are more difficult to replace are the David Silvers of this world, the Kevin De Bruyne's, who just have a, a, an innate intelligence about the game and, and can do everything so perfectly. You know, see, how do we replace Sergio Aguero, the, the instinctive goal scorer? You know, you, can, you can't find players like that. I, I, I'm less worried about finding a replacement for Leroy if he chooses to, to leave us. Look, look, look what we've got at the moment. We've got Raheem Sterling on the left. Now, you're telling me he's not doing a better job on the left than Leroy Sane did. That allows Bernardo Silva Maris on the right. Now, I'm quite happy with, uh, with uh, Sterling on the left. He, he, he finished last season on fire. He 
he's been pretty good this season. The great thing about uh, Raffin Sterling is he can play either side, and it doesn't seem to make that much difference these days. He played on the left for Liverpool, didn't he, actually, yeah, Ray? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, who cares about Liverpool? I mean, no, yeah. no, I just mean about Raheem, when he was, um, you know, burning it up. But, but he's, uh, well, he's, well, he's been burning up this city, he, you know, and, and he's been burning up on the left. I, I, just because someone leaves doesn't I mean you need to get somebody else in. You know, we, we lost Fabian Delph and uh, we didn't replace him, did we? I want to see, I want to see some of the younger players come. They will be coming through this at Rubenabe. They'll be coming through this. Uh, a young kid, uh, Dutch kid, Jaden Brat. Now, if we go out and buy a, a, a multi you know, mega eighty million pound replacement for Leroy Sane or someone to play on the right or the left or wherever, then what happens to people like Jaden Braff? What happens to Adrian Abbey? What and happens to Riyad Mahrez? <laughs> yeah. The Dutch I would much rather uh, focus on the kids that are coming through because some of them are genu- genuinely good enough. Uh, they need their opportunity and they need to take their opportunity. But there's no one no one can tell me that we haven't got enough talented kids coming through because we're out there buying the talented kids from other academies, taking them away from PSG, taking them away from Barcelona, no less. And we've got talented kids at, at Man City uh, in our um, academy, in our EDS. So they'll be, eventually be coming through. We've seen that. We saw when we eventually get around to talk about the Sandation game on Tuesday night, Tommy Doyle starting the game. We had Phil Foden uh, starting the game. Eric Garcia starting the game. These kids will be coming through eventually. And it's, it's a, you know, whether you call it a pyramid game or a numbers game, we've got enough really good kids that there are a few tools there that will come through. And um, who should say we haven't already got the replacement of Leroy Sane in the club hey. between 16 and 19 years old? You look at Chelsea, they've been forced to play the younger players. And they've absolutely repaid the face that uh, Frank Lampard's shown in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One question that has perplexed every Man City fan, and I'm sure the three of us as well, is that um, we heard in the news uh, today that uh, Sergio Aguero has said that he does, or his agent said that he doesn't necessarily favour going straight back to Independiente when he finishes with City, which is going to be likely the year after next. We've got to... replace him and um, how would you start planning for that because Colin excuse me someone on Twitter said that Manchester City do not pay more than 60 million or between 60 and 70 million pounds for any player it seems under the the Pagiristan model so um, if you're planning the succession to Sergio Aguero what do you do about that We'll, 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 hear from, we'll hear from Colin first and then over to Ray. I just said, you know, Sergio is, is virtually replaceable, isn't he? But, um, yeah, p- perhaps... If we we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're not going to get Mbappe, are we? We've got Leroy's money. You know, if we can get 120 million for Leroy, why would we not go for Mbappe? Yeah, but the thing is, though, Colin, this is a kid that grew up with Real Madrid posters on his bedroom wall. Um, that's not going to happen, in, in my view. Well, I don't think um, Sergio grew up with a, with a picture of Lee Bradbury on his bedroom wall, so... Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know, Peter Barnes or... or Dennis Stewart or whatever. Yeah, you know, players do a job, don't they? And, uh, you know, other days of Real Madrid, who bring up all the talent uh, come to an end, potentially, I don't know, but... Um, well, that is going to look through Madrid as well and say, who do? They've got some decent players already. Yes, Mbappe's one of the best in the world. But if Zidane gets the boot from Real Madrid, I mean, okay, they, they, they're doing okay in the league at the moment. Uh, they're not, you know, same as Barcelona, they're not blasting their teams um, aside because each, each of them has got 22 points from 11 games. Ray, Ray Florentino Perez is in the news saying this is his mission in life to get, yeah. to get Mbappe into Real Madrid because he knows the parents and he knows that the player wants to come and this is just a matter of time. I, I can see the player wanting to come, especially if Zidane is there. But what if is, you know, I think Real Madrid would lose a little bit, of their, a little bit of their luster in Mbappe's eyes if Zizou gets the boot. So I think that could affect things. I don't know. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We, you know, a lot of stuff comes out which might just not be true. What if Mbappe's wage demands are ridiculously high that Real Madrid just won't pay us? No, we, 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 we don't break our wage structure. We don't pay people more than Kevin De Bruyne. 
will find a way. But I think we'll pay the money um, in in terms of a transfer fee. I don't think that a problem. If if somebody of the right caliber crops uh, up and became available, uh, even now if Messi was available for eight million, hundred million, uh, you know, one hundred and fifty million, we might even jump up that much. What would be your best guess about how the board at City are? planning for the eventual loss of Aguero in, in, in your view? Well, Aguero will stay for at least this season and next, possibly one more. I think he's slowing down. I could see that on uh, on Saturday. He looked like, you know, sometimes you'd, you'd think he'd have a little bit more electric pace in him. Through defenders, uh, he couldn't do that. He's got, Gabriel Jesus is a different kind of player. He works much harder. I don't think he's as natural a goal scorer as Aguero. He Absolutely can, not. Absolutely I not. I don't think he can create uh, as much on his own as Aguero has done in the past. I don't think he's a solution for us uh, as uh, as a striker. But we would need somebody. Once again, who that is, I don't know. Um, you know, in two years' time, would you want to get somebody? You know, it, and once again, I, I look to our towards our uh, youth team and say, is this somebody coming through? I don't know. In in, in a year or two's time, they, they could be someone there. So we we don't know uh, who the pets had his eye on. You know, internally and externally, who's who's out there really that you want to spend 100, 150 million pounds on because I think that's what it's going to take. Ray, let me throw you a curveball. How about Erland Haaland, the son of Alpha Inga Haaland? The kid's young. The kid's got talent. But once again, we don't know how much talent he's got. Um, and, you know, uh, forgive you guys, but I certainly don't have uh, that that ability and knife and knowledge about young kids. No matter how many times I've seen them, just to know where where they're going to end up. Right, he is Dolph Lindgren from Rocky Three. This guy, <laughs> he's, he scored about half a dozen hat tricks. Not only not only in in the Austrian league, which admittedly yeah. is 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 not something, but in the Champions League as well. This guy is he scored against Liverpool. Oh yeah, well, come on, he, he, look, he's, he's do, he, look, he's doing all right. People go through this purple patch sometimes. You got players who can have a, a good season or two, and then they're gone. I mean, uh, I'll mention one name to you, Mike uh, Wilfred Bony. I mean, he went through a purple patch at Swansea. We got him at City. Oh, I had such high hopes for him. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the guy, the guy, last time I knew, he was playing for Newport. He was trialing with the Opera. What, what happened? What happened to Wilfred Bony? He was well, playing for Swansea. He was unbeatable. Yeah, so there you go. Sometimes, some people at certain clubs, it really works. Look at Will Saha, a palace, he went to the United, and he couldn't, whatever, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. He's come back and he's brought, got himself back up to a high level again. But you just don't know. Once he's a wonder, and, you know, maybe Real Madrid can afford to buy a few players like that and, and they don't work out. I don't think City wants to go down that route. So it's a risk, and we, uh, you know, for all, for all our support the City and watching football, I don't think we've got the, that foresight and that knowledge to say, yes, I've seen this kid, this kid's going to go all the way to the top. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people like uh, Cheeky and Pep have a much better idea. That's why they got someone like Raheem Sterling from Liverpool at what was then thought a ridiculous price. That's why we got uh, KDB from Wolfsburg at what was uh, a ridiculous price of Paul Merton. I, I, I just don't see it yet. And so, you know, those guys know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. we've seen over the last three or four years that they know what they're doing. And we can't argue and disagree with them. And, we're, you know, you're banging in 100 points and 98 points. How, how can you argue with them? So, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't see somebody out there that I want to go and buy. Harry came with two million. Uh, and, and in two years' time, he was too old. Uh, 28, we wouldn't be interested at that sort of level. So, I, I honestly look around you. I don't know who... Uh, the Aguero replacement will be in South America. Okay, guys, that is the end of part one. Please join us for part two when we'll get into the double header against Southampton.